Good morning. It's good to be in church this morning with you. Amen. We, um, I just, you know, us getting together and doing communion together just blesses my soul. Thinking about a season where that was really hard, and we we went through, uh, you know, a season where we would do communion at home, and so it's just really cool to be here as a family, um, just remembering our good, good uh, Father, how His love has been poured out for us, and uh, and doing communion together. It's just an awesome thing to do together. So, uh, just wanted to be to put that out in front of us. Like it's good to be in this season, right? Um, and being thankful together. Um, we're going to be uh, in this series, and he, it's called entitled "He Shall Be Cold," and because we're going to look at really the the idea that he should be cold or will be cold, and, and kind of looking at that word, really shell, what that means for us. Is it, is it uh, God will be cold? Is it that I experience that He's cold? And so we're going to examine that in our own, uh, in light of our own life and experience and what Scripture tells us it should be. And so if you've got your Bibles and you're ready to open it, somebody tell me they're excited to open the Bible today. Yeah. Awesome. I am at MBIC. Look at that, opening the Word together. That is good. So as you're flicking pages and I hear those pages flicking, I'll be encouraged to read from it when I hear it. So uh, somebody turn some pages so I know you're almost there. Oh, that is so good. You hear that? You hear that sound? That's so good. So good. I hear some people swiping. It's okay. It's still sanctified. All right. It's still sanctified to do this. Uh, praise God. So we're in Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, you just heard it read, but I want to re- read it together again and uh, just think uh, before we get into it. So for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Four characteristics, attributes, ways that you shall experience God. Well, God, like, that is very broad. (laughs) But the word that we just received and we're looking at is actually a snippet, a small cutting, if you would, of a large prophetic word that Isaiah gets, spanned over a lot of chapters. And so as we examine, even for four weeks, which we're actually, what we're actually going to do is we're going to zoom in to uh, these four different uh, words, the things that he should be called, and examine this prophetic word, just the slivers of it, and recognize and need to make sure we understand that this, uh, this is a calling out, a journey, if you would, that Isaiah's having in the midst of a, uh, his own and persecution personally, but also as a nation, they're under, under siege. And so he's getting this prophetic word and it's spanned over a lot of chapters that you could go and read for yourself. But we're zooming in uh, to this particular part of it uh, because it brings with it this an- anticipation for this season. And I think a- an expectation of who Christ the Messiah, who is called to, uh, that we're going to celebrate, hopefully, uh, this year, we're going to celebrate his birth. And what does it come with? What did Jesus uh, come with when he was born? And what can we expect to experience with Jesus? Why, this week, would we say that he actually is a wonderful counselor? So as I go through this, unpack it, remembering a large uh, 
prophetic word from Isaiah, thinking out in the future. Um, he is calling uh, on, like, getting a revelation from God, we believe, led by the Spirit, putting it down there uh, on paper for us now to see uh, in this day. And some of the things you see in a prophetic word, you might just see a, a large list of prophetic things that happen, and you're wondering, man, why is that relevant for now? Uh, why is it relevant you know, for my life even in the future? And this one, uh, for me, is just a very precious and relevant one for right now, and so I'm excited that we get to get into it. But I just want to make sure we realize that these, this is one of like 300 Old Testament prophetic words that are going to come uh, about Jesus or that we have about Jesus being the Messiah or the coming Messiah. And it's one little tiny piece of a prophetic word. So I'm going to dive into it. I just want to make sure no one's you know, saying, oh man, you missed so much. I get it. I'm going to miss a ton, but I'm also hopefully going to hit on some very specific things that are coming with this prophetic word that I think are for right now. So 40 of those 300 are going to come from Isaiah himself. You could read through Isaiah and you can get 40 plus um, prophetic words about the Messiah who's coming. Um, and and there's, just, there's just a lot. And you think about that. Uh, Jesus showing up, the moment he showed up um, there being born of a virgin, he's already fulfilling many of the prophetic words that were spoken about him, the fact that he shows up. And that's what we're going to see here. This is pretty, pretty awesome. We're going to start... Our, our journey on this in Isaiah chapter 7. We have to turn back. So if you turn to Isaiah 9, just flick back maybe a page, depending on how big your Bible is. Somebody bought Big Bertha, you might need to um, you know, flick a couple of pages. But here we are, Isaiah chapter 7, early on in this prophetic word, and he says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall... Call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. You've heard this before. If you've been around any Christmas, you probably sang that out, right? God with us. Um, but I just want to take a moment to think about that being spoken back then and then fast forward. Uh, if you remember, the person who would have heard those words from an angel would have been Joseph. Imagine being Joseph for a second you would have heard if you've been in your, if he's in his 30s, we, we would think he's hearing in a moment, he hears from an angel these very words that were spoken hundreds of years earlier um, by a prophet. And it's just kind of a, a moment where you recognize like how intricate and cool uh, God is with details. So let's fast forward and, and read it. Uh, Joseph's interaction with this prophetic word. Matthew 1.20 says, uh, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Here it is. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph spoke, uh, woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. 
So it's an incredible reminder that God is always at work, no matter how dark and hard things may seem. He's faithful and he's working on all things together. Two people who may have felt insignificant, had no idea God was uh, lining things up and about to fulfill this prophecy. They were under oppression, living as uh, the Jewish people did, as the Hebrew people did, oppressed by um, an outside leader, similar to what Isaiah experienced, maybe not the same extreme. They had some freedoms, but here Joseph and Mary are hoping the Messiah is going to come, right? They're possibly praying. They're, they're doing their Shabbat meals and, and their Seder meals. And they're like, you know, they're there expecting him to come. But they, I'm sure, weren't thinking like this, that an angel would show up in their room. Hey, Mary, all right? Uh, surprise, you're it, right? A <laughs> hundred years ago or more, like uh, I, I was talking about this uh, virgin, right? Hey, well, I'll to break it to you, but you're it. You know, like, wow, that's crazy. Joseph, you know, his wife betrothed, and he's thinking about his marriage and his excitement and all that and the plans that he has. And then an angel shows up in his room, and all this craziness and chaos is going on in his world, and an angel comes into uh, his room and speaks of this prophecy, think about it, they've already heard this, both of them have heard this prophecy many times before, and yet now they're hearing it from an angel. It's a wow God thing, a wow God moment, but the, the way that this message comes to both of them and the prophecy itself speaks of this amazing truth that is God, and that is Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. Think about that for a second. Like God with us equals present. He is present. And in this turmoil or you could say crazy time when two people who've heard the prophetic word are sitting there under the oppression they're sitting under, right? They're in that room. They're also under the pressure that they're in because of their own personal circumstances. And what should God do but send an angel to be present? with them in the room to work through all the weight of that situation. And so God, not just in word, but in deed, right? Not just in word, but in deed is present in the hard times with you and me and right there with Joseph and Mary and even by word, the prophetic word, which was what? He will be Emmanuel. God with us. So the the prophetic lines up with the actual, and so we can call it prophetic. In John uh, 14, 15, we see Jesus speaking of himself and what's going to come with the Holy Spirit, really repeating this same idea. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Right? What was it? Forever? Making sure I'm reading the right passage there to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Expression of who God is and will be. I will come to you. This is a beautiful picture. Jesus ushers in a season of his presence and availability that hasn't been known to the followers of God to this point. This changes 
everything, uh, his presence uh, here on earth is going to shift their perspective of who God is and was to them. Matthew 18, 9, he says this. This is Jesus. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Say among. Weird word, right? That's a weird word. Say that again, among. Yeah, sounds like dung, but it's not. But when you say it, like it sounds weird. I was thinking that this week. I said it a lot. Another way to say that, with. Say with. Emmanuel, God with us. I will be among. Jesus knew that this was the, the ideal thing. This was what he uh, was, was there to do. And it, it would change and shift everything. God's uh, been this distant one for a long time. If you follow the Israelites through their whole journey, you know that God was out there. His attributes, he, they could speak of, but they wouldn't speak a personal name. They would just speak uh, a phrase that would describe who he is. And really it talks of a distance and a separation uh, between God and man. So their position is, uh, is distant. They're, God is holy, we are not. He is out there and we're over here. And so Jesus coming on the scene and, and speaking of this, like it's already been prophesied, but Jesus brings in and ushers in this season where we can actually say God with us, that he is among, and Jesus even speaks to this to say, this is what you're going to uh, expect and can expect of me because it's what you're going to experience when you're with me. So I'm convinced Jesus makes a wonderful counselor because he is present. And that's the first of five practical things I just want to share with you this morning as we examine what it means for him to be wonderful counselor, how we can uh, really interact with God in this new season that Jesus ushered in is this wonderful counselor that he can be with you in whatever you're going through, whether it's great or not so great. He is and should be described and called by you wonderful counselor. The first of those reasons why I'm convinced he is that for me and I experience him in this way is that he is present. That Emmanuel is a great description of what I've experienced walking with Jesus. That he's not out there and I'm over here. He is with me and it's a powerful thing. His presence, literally, Jesus' presence makes the world of difference in my life. He made the world of difference. When he showed up, he shifted the relationship between man and God forever. That's what he describes, right? He said, forever, this will be your experience. Forever. Think about that for a second. There has been an expression, Adam and Eve sinned, and now there is sin between us and things have shifted. We're no longer walking in the garden with God, right? No one was doing that with God this week necessarily. Maybe you were. But there was a breaking down of that relationship that Adam had and we can't have that. We didn't have that. And then Jesus showed up on the scene. He ushers in a new season to where we go back to where we can be walking and talking with God like Adam had in the garden. It's an amazing shift. And his presence, him showing up, makes that difference, not just kind of in word, but in actual deed, this can be our experience, that Jesus can be in 
our lives right now making all the difference in our situation. I have been through several situations where somebody's presence has changed it. I kind of call these moments where uh, somebody's presence fills the room or they come into the room, they enter my space, and their presence shifts my thinking, it shifts my experience. And I think of one, uh, I, well, I call these, first of all, let me get hit of myself, I call these like uh, Jesus with skin on moments, okay? Weird concept. But, but thinking about this where somebody embodies the, the, the presence of God, the gifts of the Spirit, and they walk in their giftings into a moment where I need, maybe not knowing it, their giftings and the Spirit of God to enter into my life, my circumstance, and when they're obedient, they walk into that moment with their giftings and my whole experience shifts. I was in the hospital with my son, Miles, and we just had a long night, a really tough night with uh, just an experience with his, his diabetes, and he's type 1 di- di- diabetes, and uh, we just had a, a crazy, crazy night where something happened. We we'd never thought it would happen, but he had a seizure and, and, uh, and fell backwards down uh, a lot of stairs, and, and it was a horrific experience. My kids uh, went through it, and uh, there was a whole lot of things going on with that, and so uh, we went to the emergency room. We spent a lot of time uh, there in the emergency room, and, and I can tell you I was not really with it in my right mind. I was in, in the room, but my thoughts were elsewhere. I was with, uh, with my son in the, in the pain that he was going through. I was in the, the, the idea of what this could mean future. I was thinking, you know, what this means right now. We were struggling with finances, and I didn't know how I was going to pay the bill, and I was thinking about him and, and what this means, like, Right now, like, what do I have to do? How can I be there for my wife? I'm looking across the bed from, from her and thinking, I feel so distant from you right now and so unavailable because I'm tapped out. I got nothing to offer you, even though I know you're grieving and you're feeling pain and I'm just trying to bring you into the moment. I was overwhelmed. And in that moment of, of being overwhelmed, I felt the presence of somebody walk up behind me, not in a weird, spooky way, but the friend of mine entered the room, embraced the two of us, And in that moment, everything shifted. And I knew that I was not alone, that I was not journeying this thing alone. That God loved us and would provide all that we needed to walk through this moment and whatever it meant in the future. That person, a good personal friend of mine, walking in his gift of encouragement, walking in his gift of shepherding, wrapped his arms around us and his presence shifted that moment. And it's one way that God with us is expressed because the Holy Spirit available to you and I, when we walk in our giftings and walk obedient to his call, you could be showing up to somebody with food, you could be uh, serving somebody food at Uh, in your home, you could be serving your family through the holidays and you walking in that gifting, that is God with us, the Holy Spirit expressing himself through you in that moment and you can shift somebody's experience from feeling uh, overwhelmed to present with God, not overwhelmed. In that moment, I recognized that God with me will forever change my experience here on earth. And so I can call him wonderful counselor. Because being a good counselor means you're present. Present. I think of this and I can only imagine receiving 
you know, wherever you go in your mind, the tough stuff of life. But in that moment of receiving that news or whatever it is, if you would, if you can imagine the presence of somebody shifting that moment, I think we probably or hopefully could all think of one person that if they showed up in that moment, it would change. And for me, I know I think of different moments and I just go back to my mom who was a rock in the Lord and I think, man, when she showed up at different times in my life, she brought a presence of encouragement. And so I just wanna encourage you this morning, like walk in your giftings, walk in your calling, walk in your lane, be that, Jesus with skin on, as weird as that thought is. This week, you can be that. And you can change someone's experience, their moment, and lift them out of overwhelmed and bring them into a realization that God is with them, God is for them. Sometimes that is a card sent, a word spoken or a word written that can change a person's experience. And what that does, what I believe, is bringing the presence of God into a situation that maybe was uh, void of his presence at that moment. Not that I didn't have God in me, I just wasn't uh, focused on him. And as I wasn't focused on him, uh, in that moment, my stuff was this big, and God was in the background this big. That's not truth, that's not reality. But as the presence of God and the reality of God came into my moment, God got big, because he is, and my situation got smaller, because it was, in comparison to God. And I love that about him, that his presence changes. Have you got this yet? His presence changes everything. What it does is when his presence comes in like that, and the situation is the size that I know it is, it follows, what follows is peace. Peace. He's the Prince of Peace, and I'm convinced Jesus makes a wonderful counselor because he is the Prince of Peace. Being, you know, thinking about peace in those situations, in that one situation I was going through, I think of the aftertaste of that moment. You would think, man, if you go through that, Bryce, you're probably leaving with lots of questions about God and about healing and about all these different things. And actually, the aftertaste I had leaving that room, I can tell you, I was walking down the thing and I was thinking about, I am not alone. I was encouraged, able to encourage my wife. I was able to encourage my son. Hey, man, we got this with God, man. We're going to lean in. We're going to pray. We're going to believe. We got this. The aftertaste in my mouth, it reminds me of if you've been to Olive Garden, right, and, and you get the garlic, the overload of garlic, add the extra cheese. Like, just keep going with that cheese. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't stop. They keep telling me to, you know, tell them when to stop. I just, like, shut my mouth. They have to just keep going. But, in, like, when I, what I know is that when they're done and I partake of that, right, the aftertaste and everybody else that's close to me is going to have what? The smell of that cheese and garlic. It's the aftertaste of a good meal, right? It's the, the wafting that's gonna come out of my mouth, the impact that everybody's gonna know that I partook of some garlicky, um, yummy goodness, right? But what do they give you on the way out? Thank the Lord. The after dinner mint, right? Which is really my favorite part when I see it come out and they put it down, I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for who created this. Uh, uh, this is going to be great because now I can have conversation with people and they won't run away, right? They're going to want to be in my space. And so that after dinner leaves me with something that is, uh, uh, I think, uh, nicer for me and everybody else. It becomes the, uh, really the ability to, 
uh, let go of what was probably pretty nasty uh, in the moment, but it's the aftertaste. And this is what Jesus leaves us with, is this aftertaste. And I would ask you, like, when you go through something, like, what is the aftertaste that you have, that you experience when you go through something hard? If you're walking with Jesus, this is what I believe. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Why? Because I am with you. If I am with you, your aftertaste is not going to be fear. It's going to be peace. Come on. Who needs some peace today? So good, right? Peace, what if peace, peace does this for me? When I know I have peace in a situation, God is with me. The way that I know that that ministers to me and I'm so glad, it's, it's a counseling thing because my counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace, with me in the stuff means that I can endure more. I can go further and stick with it longer because I have a good counselor because he leaves me with peace. Anybody who's traveled seven hours with my kids, you know peace is a great thing. If I have peace in the van, I can go seven hours. If there's a screaming baby, I'm going to pull over. You know what I'm saying? Like the trip might be over. I'm not talking about the first 30 seconds. I'm talking about after the first two and a half hours. If they're still screaming, I'm not sure I can endure. Peace is a powerful thing. Peace is a powerful thing. And when you have peace in your life, you can endure more things. So when you have peace in you, you have that wonderful counselor giving you peace, leaving you with peace. What can you do? Go further. You can go farther. Your testimony with others are going to say, how are you going through this? How can you endure this? And you can call out and say, well, he shall be called wonderful counselor. No? Just me? When you're going through something, somebody says, how are you enduring? You can be like, well, he, he shall be called wonderful counselor by me. I have this amazing counselor. He gives me peace. It means I can journey through. So there, I, I've got through uh, Isaiah chapter 7. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 9, which we started in. Because I want to make sure we get this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I can have a greater peace than the world brings because Jesus shall be called by those who know him Wonderful Counselor. And I know this, I know this because when I turn to God, I get who I expect. You have been in the room with, with someone and you thought you were going to get something and then you didn't? Like you would go to a meeting and you thought it was going to be about something and then it wasn't? No? No? You ever have this moment, I remember uh, walking out the one morning, I heard the dogs barking. They were going off like they do when someone's pulling up the driveway. It's my personal alarm system. And they're, 
there, the barking goes off, I go out the door, I'm in my sweats, like my, you know, I just got my coffee, it's, it's morning, I walk out there. I'm expecting the mailman. And I get out to the driveway, and here standing in my driveway is our friends from out of town. And I'm standing there in my sweats, and I'm like, hi, family. Like, I wasn't expecting you. If I knew it was you, I would have dressed better than this, right? I felt really embarrassed. Honestly, it was embarrassing how I was dressed. And in my bare feet, uh, with my coffee in hand, I was like, man, I wish I had made you guys coffee. Like, there are moments, uh, uh, there have been moments of embarrassment. That's, that's up there on the list uh, because these friends of mine, like, they, they just all look like they just, you know, they had done themselves up. They've been driving for three hours, but they just stepped out of their vehicle like, so happy-go-lucky. I was just like still waking up, you know? So their presence, like, goodness gracious, like, I thought it was the mailman. And speaking of mailman, you know, the, like there, if you're walking down the, you know, grocery store aisle, if you're imagining uh, me now, my sweats, please stop. But if you're going down the, the aisle, you, you run into your mailman, often you probably pass them, you don't recognize them. Because they're normally, you know, in their little postman truck and, and, and they have their whole get up and they've got their truck and it's like, okay, the mailman looks like the mailman and the mailman delivers mail. And when they're doing their job, you can say, hey, mailman, woman. When we used to have, as kids, we had the milkman show up, you know, or the milk woman. I'm not trying to be weird, right? Like, Guys, girls can do whatever the job's necessary. But the milkman, for me growing up, was the milkman. He would come and take our bottles of milk, the empty glass bottles, and we'd leave tokens. Did you guys ever have that here? And we'd leave it out, and then we'd go get the milk from the, the sidewalk and bring it in. It would be in a little thing. And that was my job as a kid. I'd go get it. And, I, and you know, I went out to get, you know, that milk, and it was never the mailman who delivered the milk. And it was never the milkman delivered the mail. Like, they did what they were supposed to do because that was their job. And sometimes I think we interact with God in this way, like he's supposed to be called wonderful counselor, but when we interact with him, right, he's not a wonderful counselor because we're not anticipating him counseling us and meeting us in that space. One of the reasons I know he's gonna be a wonderful counselor for me is because he predictably, faithfully shows up in my stuff, ready to intimately go into my stuff with me and counsel me through it. He's not distant, he's present. And I love this, it's the, it's the third reason I'm convinced that Jesus makes a wonderful counselor is because he is predictably faithful. When I see him, when I think of God, when I think of Christ, I think of a wonderful counselor because that who, that's who he is. When I show up in that space, when I come to a meeting with God, this is what I expect him to be. Some of us need to go back to our Bibles and remember this is who he wants to be in our lives because when we go to a meeting with God, maybe we show up expecting him to just listen to us, just rattle off our stuff, and then we walk out unchanged because we really didn't come to a meeting to meet with God as a counselor. We just came to just, you know, dump our stuff. I'm so glad Isaiah calls us out prophetically hundreds of years before he shows up here in person and leaves us with this as his characteristic that we should remember. Because it means that I can absolutely anticipate this is who God wants to be in our life. 
And I know some of you, like for, for me, like in the past, you've heard counselor, and that word counselor maybe has some negative connotations, or it comes with an expectation that maybe outside the framework of God, what God wants us to interact with Him as counselor. So let me just explain that real quick. Counselor, this word can be used in translation to describe the one that knows you intimately and desires to help you in those hurt places of your heart and life, providing us with a way out and a way forward. Counsel to provide counsel and to be the counsel of the one that stands with you, intimately knowing what you're going through, desiring to see you move forward and out of what you're going through. One way that Jesus does this, and we know that he wants to do that, is if we read his word, that's what he is doing with the word. This word right here, like 2 Corinthians, sorry, 2 Timothy 3.16 says <coughs> that Sorry, all scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That God wants to do something to shift you, to change you, to give you what you need to move forward in these ways to correct you, give you reproof, encourage you, lift you up. So right here is enough for us to say, hey, God wanted to counsel us because he gave us wise counsel. If I don't go here for wise counsel, then he's not gonna be my wise counselor. Make sense? Psalm 1 kind of sets you up. Like here's what you can expect from God. The writer puts this, I don't know why they put it first, but it makes sense. Psalm 1, verse 1 Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. If I know there's wise counsel in here that is not of the world, but of God, supernaturally given for me to counsel me in life right now, what I'm going through, why would I not open it? Why would I not go to it? Why would I not meditate on or depend on it when I hear all the world saying like all this stuff that's gonna happen and it's very, very hard and ah. And it's right here. Why would I not turn to it or point others to it? So I'm convinced Jesus makes a wonderful counselor because he has provided tools that help and cause real change. We just read that this scripture like the tool that it can be for our lives has life, power, encouragement. Come on. It is the ability to learn to do stuff with what God deposited in you. If he's with you, you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Guess what? If you read this, you can learn how to use that for his glory. That you could walk into a room where somebody's sick. It can teach you how to pray how to interact with God and use what he's left you with, not just for yourself, but to also bless the world that you're in. It's got wise counsel for you, instruction for you. It gives you tools to depend on when you need it. You can expect that, that it will cause actual, real change in your life, you know a counselor you go to, if you're going to a counselor right now and you're not seeing real change in your life, if you're not adopting new tools to help you work through stuff, please go to another counselor. 
Because they're supposed to be with you in it, providing you with tools to find your way out. You shouldn't stay stuck your whole life. You don't need to. You can be empowered to move forward. Wonderful itself, that word is translated to, uh, to say, it's, just, it's pele, that's how you would say it, but the original word means beyond comprehension, like beyond words. I think about this causing real change. If you've ever experienced radical transformation of any kind in your life, and I've seen this with people, when they experience God in a radical transformation in their life, they're often speechless and they're going, uh, 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 uh. what happened? Tell me, uh, uh, uh. Because what God's doing in them is so wonderful. It's beyond their Words and beyond comprehension. When you're going through something really, really hard, when you're, when you're pressed, right, and you know that what you're going through requires someone beyond you. You, you've, you feel like you're going through something, and this might be you right now, but if you are going through something and what you're going through feels like it's beyond any Buddy else's comprehension. You've experienced a loss that maybe no one else can really understand. You, maybe you've been pressed so hard for so long that you're like, there's no one could understand what I'm going through. Well, here's a God who's so wonderful, so beautiful, that he knows every pain, every thought, and his thoughts are higher and vaster. He can understand all of it. Because he wants to be also with you. And that is, a, and that is so, let me tell you, when you know someone understands what you're going through, that is so powerful. How many times I've, I've walked with somebody through a really hard loss and, and they're saying, nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody understands what I'm going through. And they're, they're sharing. I'm going, yeah, like I, this is where you're at. This is where I'm at. Like oh, there's a chasm here. But what I do know is the God that, that, that we serve, that loves us, that gave his life for us, gave his son for us. Like this God absolutely is so wonderful. He's so incredible. He knows exactly what you're going through. His thoughts are even higher. He understands it even better than you do. He has a grasp on it because he is so wonderful. You are not alone. And that counsels. Let me tell you, that ministers to the soul like nothing else. Job, in uh, Job 42, he describes, if you know the story of Job, most people outside of the church would know the story, but he went through it. He lost everything, lost everyone close to him in his life, lost everything he had worked hard for his whole life. And, and here he is in the midst of it, and he describes the feeling of what it is to have a wonderful counselor. In verse two, he says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you and make it known, and you make it known to me. I had heard of you by hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. 
In other words, he has heard of his great wonder. He's heard of his great counsel. He knows that God is out there. But now having gone through something really hard, I see you. I know that you are wonderful, too wonderful for words. The things that you understand, I didn't understand. But having gone through it now, I'm putting my trust in you so much more because I see How wonderful and how expansive your understanding is that you would even give me a little bit more of understanding in the midst of my hardship. He's seen God in the hardship of his life. He is seeing God and seeing wisdom and seeing peace and experiencing wise counsel right in the midst of his hardship. And he recognizes, how is that possible? Only God could do that. Only creator God could give me more understanding in the midst of something so hard. And so another way that I have been convinced that Jesus makes the most wonderful counselor is because his thoughts are higher than mine, praise God. He is wonderful. He is beyond me. He is so, so wonderful. As I think about Jesus coming and being present with me, just that idea of God so loving me, or loving me and filled with love so much so that he would be willing to send his son. You know, I cannot get my head around that. Being a father of eight, that his thoughts are so wonderful towards me, that his thoughts are so wide and expansive, his love so great that he would do this, that he would take a son, his only son, and gift him so that my sins would be paid for. My transgressions against God would be paid for by his only son. That is absolutely beyond my comprehension, too wonderful for words. I cannot grasp it. That love is so great. It is hard for me to understand. But this is Jesus. That he made himself low even though he was God, that he would step into humanity becoming a baby, living a perfect life, and then offer himself as a sacrifice for me. That no matter what I go through from here on and anybody else forever, there is one who knows my anguish and my pain. There is one who can enter into anything I go through and identify with me in my pain, that he is the most wonderful counselor ever known, ever to be known, because he is present, because he is peace, because he is faithful, because he is life-changing, because he is higher. Now I know, now I know that God is a wonderful counselor. Therefore, 
my anticipation and my expectation and my experience with God should be just that. When God gave this to Isaiah and prophesied, towards the end of these prophecies, he shared this, surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. But hear this. Here's the victory in Christ. And the counselor, the mighty God, here he is. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Today, every single one of us can come to the Father and we can enter into His presence because Christ closed the gap. Because Jesus came to be with us, there is now therefore no condemnation, no gap, no shame, no guilt. You can come boldly to the Father. You can be in his presence and he wants to minister to you individually whatever you're going through. His peace is available to you. His presence wants to change your circumstance right now. He wants to enter in and be faithful in your circumstance. He wants to come in and change what you're experiencing within what you're doing and change even those lives that are around you watching you go through something. Because he is higher, we can enter into an understanding that surpasses all the circumstance. So the result being that we experience peace. This Christmas, even though there might be great loss, you can have peace with him. And so church, if you would stand right now, we're gonna enter into this. This full knowledge and understanding that he is with us and it changes everything. We can walk through something that was meant to crush us because God is with us. We can walk through something that was designed to take us out because he is with us. We can walk through something right now, no matter how hard, no matter how high it may seem or impossible because he is in us and with us, goes before us. So Father, we ask that you move in this room right now. Whatever has been a wall for us, Lord God, to experience you as a wonderful counselor, whatever wall we've put up or distance ourselves from you in, maybe we didn't want you in our mess because we were ashamed of it. Maybe we felt bitter alone at times and so we wanted to just kind of do our own thing. But God, you didn't leave us alone and you never intended for us to be that way. So I'm so glad, I'm so thankful that you, you moved towards us in this great act of love. And this morning we do the same 
we respond this morning by entering into this moment and saying, God, we recognize we've gone our own way, but we're moving back towards you. Would you be our wonderful counselor? Amen.